Welcome to Blooming, a podcast by 20-somethings for 20-somethings, navigating how to grow up. I'm Tessa. And I'm Britt. And we'll be your co-hosts. With Mother's Day just around the corner, we thought it was entirely appropriate that this week's special In Bloom guests are our mums. It goes without saying that they're both a huge part of our lives. I'm sure our buds are aware of this since we've spoken about them in previous episodes. But yes, we hope that by getting them on the podcast today, we can gain some insight into how life was for them in their 20s and navigating their path to adulthood. Yes, we are super excited to bring you this In Bloom chat, as I think I speak for both of us when I say our mums have a huge influence and impact on us and who we are as people. But before we jump into it, Britt, how was your week? I went to Sydney for the weekend with some friends, which was so much fun. We did some beautiful walks and ate at a lot of nice places, so it was a bit of a splurge. Um, But I was like, you know what? I haven't taken leave from work since 2019, um, 2020 holidays, so whatever. We'll just make the most of that long weekend and get away. Um, And I got to see some friends who live in Sydney too, so it was definitely worth it. What a dream. I would love a little vacay, but (laughs) not on the cards for me right now. Anyways, how was your week? My week has been good, much more boring and mundane than yours. Um, We've had a series of public holidays in Queensland, so that means short weeks and long weekends, which are always a vibe. And you'd be so proud of me. JJ and I finally sat down and looked at our finances and I set up like scheduled payments for our bills and repayments. It was a big adulting (laughs) time. Hey, that's so good. I am actually so proud of you. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Scheduling your payments. Thank you. All right, now it's time for our adulting wins and adulting fails from the week. Tessa, you are up first. So... I think I've mentioned before that I don't drink coffee. Yes, can't stand, many times. Yeah, can't stand the taste. And also anything with like hot liquid just really creeps me out. I don't know. That <laughs> what form, is creepy about hot liquid? I just don't like the way it like fills in my mouth <laughs> and in my stomach. <laughs> I don't so know. Weird. Even soup, like it's got to have something I can chew in it. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Continue anyway, on. But so I realized that to be a good host at my new pad, I needed to like master the art of providing coffee to my oh, guests. Yes. Have some staples on hand. Yeah. So my adulting win this week is that I learned how to make a coffee. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, are we talking like instant coffee? No. So it's like the Nespresso pods. Oh, so you have a little pod machine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. That's what JJ uses. Oh, okay. But here's a fun fact for you. I do have... Um, a certificate as a barista so (laughs) I should be nailing the coffee game more than I am I'm so um, confused how did you get a certificate (laughs) being a barista I was 18 fresh off of schoolies and thought "Mm, maybe I might need this before I start uni (laughs) (laughs) just a good did you even work in a coffee shop yeah I worked in hospitality in a cafe for two years but they so you used the certificate no I didn't because they never trusted me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Look, it was a different life. <laughs> so I have forgotten those skills. So That's a fun little side note. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fun fact about Tessa. But like, so I know it's a really basic adulting skill, but I'd never had the need to do it. And now, thanks to JJ, I know how. He was making his coffee this morning and I was like... Were you like, babe, I'll do it for you? No? No way. I was like, you make your morning coffee and I'll just watch so that I know what to do. Take some notes. Exactly, exactly. But to be fair, I had gone a bit rogue and tried out the coffee machine. Oh, really? How did it go? Well, look, mum, when she's on later, can tell you because she's (laughs) the one who drank the coffee. Oh, no. 
Um, but well, you know. I am excited to come over and try. Hopefully you've had some more practice by then. <laughs> yeah, I'll um, have to test out my new skills and you can tell me what it's like. Tell I will me. give you an honest review, I promise. Thank you. Just don't get your hopes up. <laughs> um, but what about you? What did you have this week? So I mentioned before that I went to Sydney and this meant that I had to arrange for someone to house sit and look after my fur baby, um, which was the first time that I was the one not doing the house sitting. Like I had to organize a house sitter. So that was interesting. I, you know, like left a little money fund as a thank you and wrote a list of things around the house to do. Like a little survival guide? Yeah, like a brochure to my house. <laughs> um, actually, and this is a pretty funny side note that I thought of. Um, my mum always used to do this for me when they went away, even when I was actually living at home and included like a bunch of mundane notes that like I already knew, like put the bins out or eat the food in the fridge. <laughs> Yeah, see the amount of times that I needed that and left so, the bins. Thanks, mom. <laughs> I definitely forgot about the bins more than oh, once. Yeah, you'd like roll your eyes and be like, oh, duh, mom, but then forget to put the bin Have out. you ever like heard the bin truck like coming up the street like 5 a.m. Like, in the morning? No! <laughs> Run outside. I've had to do that Check more the letterbox. <laughs> thanks, mom. All of the mails in the letterbox when they get home. <laughs> but yes, that was just a fun little adulting moment for me this week. Before we jump into this segment, we want to give a quick content warning. In this conversation, we touch on a few topics which could be triggers for some listeners, including domestic violence, pregnancy loss, sexual assault, and rape. If you find this conversation triggering, please seek help via the details in our episode notes. Okay, so today we are joined by my mum, Debbie. And my mum, Kate. Welcome to Blooming. We are so excited to have you both here. But do you want to just like say hello and tell us your name so people can identify who is who? Hi, thanks for having me. And I'm uh, Tess's mum. My name's Kate. Hi, thanks for inviting me. I'm Deb and I'm Brit's mum. Okay, I'm sure you're both aware because these are probably our top listeners of Blooming. (laughs) Number one fans. (laughs) But every week we ask our In Bloom guests what is an adulting win or adulting fail you've had this week. Who would like to go first? Oh, they're both so modest. They're both gesturing to each other. You go. We're just polite. Um, I'm going to go with a win. So I've been teaching myself how to draft patterns and use a sewing machine Oh, my gosh. Can you teach me? Sure. (laughs) <laughs> so, so far I've made two pair of pyjama shorts, so, you know, small steps, but um, I want to get better at it, so I'm going to keep going. That's great. Upskilling. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Something to do when I retire. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had a big parenting or adulting win um, this week. The youngest of our children um, and the last of our children uh, moved into his own home this oh, weekend um, and as uh, the goal of parenting is to raise successful independent adults uh, <laughs> leaving leaving home is one of my key performance indicators <laughs> look at you mum <laughs> so proud <laughs> are you proud of me for moving out too no you're old news now tessa I'm so old news it's like i had my moment of you're moving out let's help you and now i've forgotten about if you haven't figured it out tessa's the middle child so yeah. she has a middle child syndrome this happened when he was born too <laughs> Okay, so can you please tell us a bit about what your lives were like in your 20s, like some highlights from that decade? Um, yes, I, uh, my 20s really focused on my career 
And uh, what I was doing at work, I was uh, really absorbed in a job that I absolutely loved. I worked in um, child protection um, for most of my 20s and uh, it was an emotionally tough job, as uh, you would understand. But um, I was able to initiate changes and I was able to uh, make changes in people's lives, implement new programs in a number, number of areas and uh, that was really, really satisfying um, to, to achieve some goals in, in your career. Uh, the other thing I learned uh, in, in my 20s was a great deal about how people tick and how organisations and systems operate and that's held me in really good stead later on in life. So that was really my 20s uh, I love that yours is like career and I'm like so far on the opposite <laughs> end of that. But also you didn't mention that you met and married dad. Oh, no, mum. <laughs> <laughs> Career-driven woman. <laughs> She's like, who's that? <laughs> she saved him for other questions. <laughs> and, and we also got married very young. Like I was 22, dad was 23. And so it was really our early 20s. Mm. Um, the significant part of our, my 20s, I think, was establishing my career. Good, it sounds good like it was really fulfilling. That's great. Mm. Okay, you're up, Mum. <laughs> so by 22, I had divorced my first husband, having married him at the age of 18. By 24, I'd bought myself my own little house and met the man who's still the love of my life. By 29, we'd bought our first home together and were married. So I've always loved music. So my early 20s, I just enjoyed watching bands and overseas artists. So I'd go to local pubs or festival hall and uh, just enjoy enjoy the music. Splendour in the grass. <laughs> she sounds like she was like living her 20s. Hey. Like festivals. <laughs> and then we have the career-driven one. And I feel like that's kind of... I, Kind of. I feel like you're more career. I was just going to say, we have the wrong mum. Do we do a bit like a parent's well? I actually found this question a little bit hard because it was quite difficult to think back to my early 20s. That's a long time ago. So I'm... Absolutely. (laughs) Well, then you're probably going to struggle answering the next question, which was what was the craziest thing you did in your 20s? Like, tell us a crazy story of something that happened in your 20s. Sorry, I cannot disclose. (laughs) Or actually, I cannot remember. (laughs) Okay, how about you, you, Mum? Did you have one? Oh, goodness. Well, for me, it would be hard to decide which of the craziest things I did was the craziest. (laughs) Probably, in retrospect, going on a four-day hike in the middle of winter carrying all our food, clothes and camping gear with a pregnant friend. I think that was pretty gung-ho. I also abseiled down a waterfall into a creek at 6pm at night (laughs) in driving rain in the middle of winter. With the same people. So obviously we didn't learn. Wait, okay. so the pregnant friend abseiled down something? Yes. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Just think what you would have said to us if we had abseiled down something at 6pm at yeah. night. We're going to remember that next time Tess is trying to do something crazy. <laughs> I'd be like, well, my mum did this. So. <laughs> okay, up next we want to talk about like what was happening in the world around you when you were in your 20s. Like... Were there some standout cultural political shifts that might have impacted your entrance into adulthood? Okay, so there were some things like 
believe it or not, that's when Michael Jackson released the Thriller LP. There was the reactor meltdown at Chernobyl. There was a lot of news about the spread of AIDS throughout the world. And the Rainbow Warrior was sunk in Auckland by French spies. And that was because New Zealand was opposed to the French carrying out their nuclear tests in our Pacific Ocean. What is that? That was a uh, Greenpeace Oh. A Greenpeace ship. So I can remember myself feeling outrage about the bombing of the Greenpeace ship because I didn't think the French should be doing their nuclear bomb tests in our waters either. Um, and I remember feeling sad when uh, newspapers carried touching stories of the AIDS sufferers. And it, you know, it did have a, a big impact, not personally on anyone I knew, but just um, like a very sad story. Mm. I think people are going to be able to tell now, Deb, that I'm older than you. (laughs) Um, I was pretty influenced in my uh, 20s by the uh, Make Peace Not War movement. Um, So very much uh, the hippie um, uh, flower power um, era was uh, very influential in my 20s. And I think that was uh, partly because my father um, was a strong pacifist and uh, so he really influenced me. But the Vietnam War was raging and um, compulsory conscription was a highly, highly contentious um, topic. And uh, we lived near the university and Dad worked at the university and there were lots and lots of demonstrations Mm, on campus and police coming onto the campus um, at the time, so I remember all of that yeah. really, really strongly, and um, I think it was a, an influential time in terms of uh, the impacts of war and uh, the, the things you had to do to live peaceably. Um, the other thing that was going on politically was that there were some big shifts going on. Kerr had just sacked Gough Whitlam, mm. and uh, the Fitzgerald inquiry was full yes. steam ahead. So there was lots of discussion and questions about true democracy, appropriate governance, transparency and decision-making. Yeah, big revolution Yeah, administrative fairness. So a whole lot of things about whether politicians could be trusted, what sorts of rules you had to have. And so, um, yeah, it was a time of quite um, a lot of upheaval in terms of administration and government Um, Mm. And so they really shaped my 20s, I suppose, thinking Mm. about those things. It's funny. I listened to this podcast about the um, Gough Whitlam sacking and I found that so interesting. So it's even more interesting that you lived through that. So how do you think being in your 20s then today has changed and like what we're going through versus what you guys went through? Like, do you think we see some benefits that you didn't or we have some challenges that you didn't? I'm probably just going to say I'm pretty sure life was simpler back then. Um, I don't think I felt any competitiveness to have the best life. I think that's a really, really good comment because I um, I think it's changed enormously since uh, my 20s and uh, I think that social media is probably the biggest feature of that and it's the rate at which information can travel. Um, as you say, we didn't have those pressures on us because we were not exposed to those sorts of things at the rate that um, people these days um, are exposed to it. That being said, I think mobile access and internet is so good um, (laughs) and uh, lack of connectivity slowed everything down unimaginably Mm. as well. So there was good, good about it being slowed down, but, you know, you'd arrange to meet someone at 
one o'clock and you had to be there at one o'clock. <laughs> oh, yes. Because you couldn't ring them and say you were going to go. <laughs> Which to doesn't be. work for me because I'm always late. late. <laughs> and uh, when I was growing up, a lot of my friends didn't even have a landline and we didn't yeah. have a TV. So we were really not exposed to the massive um, swirling of stuff that's going on in the universe all the time. And while I think the um, the access to information is great, I think there are many more challenges on um, you people to um, critically think about the information that you're getting and having to filter it a lot more um, than we had to do. So I think there's an, a, yeah, that's what I think is probably yeah, the big really challenge. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like we've spoken about that quite a bit between ourselves and a little bit on this podcast. So yeah, I definitely mm. see that. We're very exposed, I guess, to everything. Yeah, like if you want to be proactive, you can always find some sort of information. Yeah, but it might not be the right information. Exactly, and that's, that's another thing, right? Yeah, You're yeah. getting the wrong information. A lot, and it's all unfiltered. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting because I was last night or yesterday I binge watched the whole of unorthodox have you seen it yeah and so when she had no access to a computer and then was trying to learn how to google and like one of the first things she wanted to know is like is there a god and she said but there are too many answers and he was like well you've got to pick one that you think is the right answer yeah so that's exactly like what you were just saying mum I'd probably add on to that that um your challenge I think is that you have a lot a lot of options as well. Like if you wanted takeaway food, <laughs> for example, <laughs> you had McDonald's or the local uh, fish and chippery on the corner or uh, maybe an actual Italian restaurant um, or a Chinese restaurant, but you have options in everything. You have so many options for fashion and for fitness and for jobs and how many times you can change your job. I think when I was growing up, you, you were lucky to have a job and then you stuck at that job. Mm. You, you weren't looking all the time for a better job. You were like so many options and mm-hmm. opportunities, I guess. Food, travel, like <laughs> travel as well, like, until recently, and thanks to COVID. You guys have been places, a lot more places than what we did in our 20s. Mm. You know, you, because that accessibility just wasn't there, really. Well, yeah. you, you grew up, you left home, and you you could afford to buy a house. So you grew up, left home, and bought a house. So mm. um, once you bought a house, you had a mortgage. So you weren't travelling, you were paying off the mortgage. Mm. So we did touch on political, like the political landscape just before, um, but we want to talk about your experience growing up as women, particularly in relation to recent political events. So how do you feel about... The landscape of women's rights what has changed there and what hasn't changed well look I think when I was growing up and in my 20s I think uh, most women were like frogs in boiling water we were so used to sexism that we often didn't even notice it mm. and I was reading uh, my uh, 1974 school annual recorder um, the other day and there was a section... oh my gosh you have that wow that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> there was a section called where are they now and swathes of the women were designated as housewives can wow. you imagine in this day and age like you know a stay-at-home mother you might get, but housewife, housewife, housewife. Yeah, that's how it was labelled. Um, yes, right. and I just, it just couldn't imagine it. Um, and I think another thing that was dreadfully unfair and still sticks in my mind was that when I left the public service to have my first child, I got none of the government's contribution to my superannuation nor the interest that 
my superannuation had generated over 10 years, I just got back the money wow. I had put in. So it wasn't even the same value as when I had put it in. Um, and, yeah, hundreds of thousands of women lost substantial amounts of money as a result of that. Mm. And I think um, even now super isn't really geared for for women mm. and the conversation is a long way off um, that that uh, conversation. But, Deb, you, you have a go. Um, I'm still in the Queensland Public Service and I can see around me at work there are a lot more women in high positions running the division, running the department. So I, th- I think we've... Uh, We've changed a lot of things there. They're earning the same money as men and sitting in the same type of position as men. And I think that's a lot different from when I started work where really men, all the men ran the office and the girls were there to do the typing and the filing. Mm. Mm. Printing. Yeah. <laughs> Laminating. Wait, will laminate is a thing? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Okay. Don't Scratch that. Laminator. <laughs> um, I know there's not yet equality everywhere you look in our city or this country, but I think we're going in the right direction. And I'd probably add on to that, I think women are stronger in making decisions to do with their own bodies. So maybe the patriarchy is not as prevalent now as what it was when I was growing up. Mm. Mm. I think it's really interesting. I did want to know both of your thoughts because like just a few weeks ago, we had the March for Justice. Something that stood out to me was that there was a lot of women that were grandmothers or like in in a very different age group to me and the fact that they were so passionate about it and fighting for it and the fact that they were still there saying that things hadn't changed was yeah Mm. yeah yeah I think so and I think back to my 20s and how stigmatizing unmarried motherhood was Mm. and you know 90% of parents mothers were pressured into putting their children up for adoption and whether or not you think that's right or wrong, the stigmatism and the judgmental mm. attitudes and, and no support, not, you know, in terms of the government support that's available um, to women, I think there is, they do have more choices um, now and I think it isn't as stigmatising and scandalous mm. um, as it was uh, uh, back in, 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 um, my, in my 20s. But... I really wanted you to say back in my day then. (laughs) I was like, say it. (laughs) The other thing I was going to say is um, that uh, in my 20s, women who were sexually assaulted or raped were generally seen as bringing it on themselves. That was very Mm -hmm. definitely um, the viewpoint. Shouldn't have have been out at night, shouldn't have been wearing those clothes, shouldn't have, shouldn't have, shouldn't have. Like a lot of victim shaming. Um, Absolutely. And I'm glad that that's being called out so strongly now. Called out because it's still happening now, though. I know, Which it's still <laughs> happening. It's, yes. It still seems to be the mm. fault of how you're dressed, where mm. you're at, mm. how you acted, mm. instead of being mm. the perpetrator's fault. Yeah, mm. I feel like that must be big for you guys, both having daughters as yeah. well. It's funny, like, Mum and I had this conversation just a few weeks ago when I was so annoyed at the fact that that is still the case and that pe- women can be, you know, pulled out based on what they're wearing. For example, you at the AFL game the other week and... We were talking about how, like, when I was growing up and when I was younger, and I guess going into those early adult years, like teenage years, where you weren't always there, that that was something you used to say to me, like, don't put yourself in a compromising situation Mm -hmm. or... 
you know, make sure that, or like, just be careful with what you're wearing because men can take it wrong. And it's annoying that we have to hear that and stuff because we can't trust men to Yeah, but that was the thing is that, that my first reaction was to get angry at mum and dad when they commented on what mm. I was wearing because I was like, I can wear what I want, like, but they just wanted me to be safe. Unfortunately, it's not about trusting us. It's not trusting the people around us. We've got a long way um, to yes, go in do. some of in some of these issues. Um but I also was thinking when I was in my 20s, um, it was still okay to cane children at school. So mm. social attitudes you know, have, had, have had to move a long way. Mm. Physical punishment and physical violence against children was totally acceptable. Mm. Um, so I think you know, the move to it's not acceptable to partners has been a long time coming. So when you think about this decade of your life in your 20s, what are some of the pivotal or shaping moments that come to mind? Well, I remember this because it's something that I've heard you say on your podcast is um, I can remember on my 21st birthday thinking, oh my goodness me, I'm going to be expected to act like a grown up now. (laughs) I did not on my 21st birthday, maybe my 26th. (laughs) Which was a bit scary, but I wasn't Is that like a delayed response? (laughs) I wasn't really worldly wise and uh, suddenly realising that the rest of the world expected me to be able to make serious decisions etc etc was it was a bit of a wake wake up to me or a mm. bit yes I felt very young um, though of course in comparison to people who at 16 were married with children not that many generations ago 21st was quite old <laughs> It was. It, it, well, you didn't really celebrate your 16th or your 18th. 18th yeah. So you just went from being a child to being an adult with a cake. So mm. there wasn't... Mm. There wasn't, there an wasn't an adult t- with a cake. <laughs> <laughs> now we're eased into it. It's like, you know, <laughs> levels. Yeah, you've got your cupcakes. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I think that was... The cutting of the cake was... Uh, was a real growing up moment symbolic moment it was Mm. wasn't it Mm. did it take the cake (laughs) (laughs) boom boom (laughs) i couldn't help myself (laughs) then i think another one which tess has already uh, alluded to was getting married that was a pretty big moment Mm. for me and i think that decision um that you're going to make a lifelong commitment to anyone is pretty terrifying. Mm. Um, yeah, so I thought it was pretty terrifying anyway. I threw up for five weeks <laughs> after I got engaged. Don't See, know. this is where I get it from. <laughs> five weeks, oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know how my parents persisted in organising this <laughs> organising this wedding. But anyway, um, that was another sort of sense of a formal rite of passage into adulthood. Um, I could probably add to that and say the, the divorce was also a growing up moment. Mm. Um, and then I, I did take pause for a little while and try to uh, like iron out some of my own wrinkles. Um, you could work on yourself for a yeah. while. Yeah, and then and then I met Steve. So things things changed for the better. Then I had changed uh, jobs a couple of times. I was still in the public service, but I'd moved. Uh, a couple uh, departments a couple of times trying to work my way up the ladder um so you know i guess every time you change a job and you have to learn a whole new a whole new set of skills and and you know you spend the first couple of weeks regretting your decision until you find your feet Uh, i think those are are small pivotal moments that you probably do more in your 20s Mm. 
than maybe any other decade. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Even like now when I, if, if I'm looking at a new job or something and maybe get a callback for an interview immediately, I'm like, oh, maybe maybe it's the wrong choice. Like, maybe, you know, change is kind of hard in that situation. You're like, second guess whether you even applied in the first place. <laughs> I, I think uh, we spend a lot of time telling ourselves that we're really good at change, that we're good change agents, but I don't think anyone really likes change. I mm. am awful at change and I put my hand up for that, <laughs> like so bad with change. I, yeah, I, there's always some aspect where I, that, cause it's the unknown, I guess you're going into it and you've just got to take the leap. <laughs> okay. So you've both mentioned that you did meet your um, partners today in your 20s. How did you feel about settling down at the ages that you both did? Um, with partners in particular, they say, you know, when you know. Um, was that your experience? Um, I know, mum, you would be a little bit different because you had a divorce. But did you know when you were ready to get married? Um, and if so, how? I think maybe because I'd made a mistake, I wasn't real keen to repeat it. So when I met Steve, we took things really slowly. He lived in a share house with a bunch of boys and I was renting for a couple of years before I'd bought my own little house and moved in. Um, After I moved in, he moved in and we lived together for five years before getting married. I think at that point we both felt pretty optimistic that we'd make a good team and we could support each other through good times and bad times. So once we decided that, there was no going back, no cold feet, and we're celebrating our 29th wedding anniversary this weekend. Congratulations. Yeah, it's mum and dad's Thank anniversary you. today too. Oh, oh is it? Wow, wow. Yes, congratulations yes. to you too. Where, where is the champagne? Oh, <laughs> sorry, forgive us. We had a big celebration last year, so. Yes, it was a big, it was a, a zero one last year. <laughs> yes, so look. This this is a tough question. I think this is a really tough question. Which is why we need answers and advice. (laughs) (laughs) And I certainly didn't feel the saying, you know when you know, particularly applied to us. Like, how could you possibly know (laughs) that you want to live with someone for the rest of your life? How can you ever possibly... Well, I like that you're saying that because I feel like when... A lot of the time when we think back to when our parents got married or whatever, there is this like concept where, you know, it was much simpler to make that decision and people just knew straight away. But now it's so much harder (laughs) because there's so much more to consider. It's also that like fairy tale illusion that like Mm. in so many movies, they're like, or in fairy tales, they're together and married in two seconds. And Mm. it's like... Ooh. Wait a minute. Wait. See, <laughs> you haven't done any difficult <laughs> challenges together. Like, are you going to break up as soon as you like Is come to like, an obstacle? We need a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the good thing was that on the day I got married, I was really happy. I woke up that day and I was sure I wanted to get married, having vomited so <laughs> so often before beforehand. So How that funny. was very, that was very pleasing. And Tony it's and I had been going out. <laughs> had been going out for for five years so it wasn't a blinding moment it wasn't yeah. a moment of lust that um that, that we we got engaged in or, or anything like that but I actually have to say and this is very soppy I know <laughs> but I have to say that I think Tony and I have fallen more and more in love the longer we've the longer we've been Aww, married I love Cute. that <laughs> no I agree with that because mm. I think it's the challenges that you face as a couple like shared experiences. Yeah, year in and year out, the things that you can tick off and say, 
you know, that was tough, but we got there. Got there. Or mm. Raising that daughter. Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about that all the time. <laughs> Had its moments, but... <laughs> um, and Tess has also heard this, which is, is also pretty weak, but I used to think all the time, do we have shared interests? How do we problem solve together? Like I was very analytical about the decision to get married. I was thinking about, you know, how do we problem solve? How do we settle arguments? I need this backed by data. Like, where is my data to back up my logical decision? (laughs) You are so right. So that was very much in my mind. Um, Did you make a spreadsheet? Oh, wait, was spreadsheets a thing? (laughs) (laughs) No, it was was terrible. (laughs) It was terrible. Uh, Perhaps it was because I'd studied psychology at uni or something and I was young enough that I thought that checklists would give me the answer. So perhaps Mm. it was naivety (laughs) rather (laughs) rather than confidence that led me down this path. I think that's fair, though. Like, I'm not super romantic either, so I would be approaching it We haven't noticed. (laughs) (laughs) But I also think it's interesting because you were saying you lived with Steve for five years. Mum and Dad didn't live together until they were married. Mm. So that is, like, completely different. But they still dated for five years. Yeah, but they still dated for that Mm. long. Whereas in this day and age um (laughs) in our day in our day (laughs) like usually you live with someone before you make those further moves Mm. I can honestly say when Brit said she was moving in with Lockie and we'd met him you know we'd met him quite a few times and we liked him we were happy that he's gonna be happy that you said that (laughs) (laughs) we were happy that they were going to live together and and trial like take that relationship to the next step and trial out whether they could actually live together before before you go to the uh, a no. drama of a wedding you know yeah. and it's a huge drama to um, and cost yeah mm. to, only for it to fail like it's it's a, mm. a lot of money to spend for it to fail so better to Try, try before you buy. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not what I was going to say. Better to try to see whether you get along. Yeah. To, whether you get along, whether you can fight the, the battles together, whether you can come out the other side saying that you had each other's backs. Mm. And I guess thinking about the fact that you you did have a divorce when you were so supportive of that decision, it does make a lot of sense now when I think about it that you were – just wanting to make sure that I was sure and I before I you know got too committed to somebody and then got hurt more too because that's huge well my um, social attitudes on that changed really quickly as well when um, when Tony and I got married no one lived together that Mm. was very much something no one did my brother's three years younger and he lived with his partner Mm. Uh, before they got married and my mother thought that was an excellent idea (laughs) whereas you know I wouldn't it wouldn't have dared come up in my conversations would that be because he was a boy and you were a girl Um, too though I think maybe some of that was it he was a little bit older Um, he'd been divorced as well so I think mum and dad were like were thinking that the model that they had wasn't necessarily the foolproof model. <laughs> Some of those rules are, are really um, the things we've made things so tight that they're some of the things that actually force things apart too. Mm. Mm. Okay, so that was marriage. Um, what about kids? Um, when did you know you were ready to have kids? Is this something that you're ever really ready for? So for me, I felt the whole biological clock ticking scenario. I actually thought I was pregnant 
Um, and that was an unplanned pregnancy with, with Steve. And I took a DIY test and it showed up negative. And so I fell apart. I was distraught. And I was bawling my eyes out and Steve came home and found me like that. And I think up to that point, he probably had his fingers crossed that I wasn't pregnant as much as I was hoping I was pregnant. Um, we'd only been married for a few months. Okay. As in we were married in May and I thought I was pregnant in July. Okay. So uh, when he saw how upset I was, I think that's when he agreed that we could actually start trying. So... Another week or two passed and still nothing had happened. So I went to the GP and did a proper test. And lo and behold, I was pregnant and had been for quite a few weeks. (laughs) So uh, luckily, you have 40 weeks to get used to the idea, get prepared, start reading, get ready. That little DIY lied to you. How funny. Yes, that's a bit scary. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's interesting. It was kind of like because it was unplanned, you... Did you maybe not realise how badly you wanted it until mm. you thought you had it? I think that's it. Yeah. You know, we hadn't really got past the fact that we'd just got married and we hadn't really talked about the when we would start trying mm. to have kids. Yeah. And it wasn't really until I thought I wasn't pregnant that I realised how much I really wanted, wanted to be. Wanted to. Mm. Mm. Well, I, um, it's, it's interesting you saying you, you're knowing. I knew... Um, oh, five dying. days, <laughs> five days after Emma was conceived, I was <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> and Tessa hates this bit. Ten minutes after Bennett was conceived, <laughs> no idea with me though. <laughs> Were you? <laughs> the, yes, the middle child. You should see my face. <laughs> <laughs> but I You're just a little bit irrelevant. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I am. Um, I am. Um, had always really wanted to have children like that that had been my dream probably since before I was born so I can't remember a time in my life when I didn't want kids I loved playing with my dolls better still if there was a real baby around you know uh, also very opposite to me (laughs) you're like get me out of this situation so that was that was really interesting so I worked at a childcare centre when I was 18 looking after eight babies under one which was 18 nappy a day (laughs) and the best form of contraception (laughs) I really I loved that job I loved every minute of the job I loved looking after those babies but my eyes were a little less rosy by the end of that job Um, I did have a fair idea about what looking after babies was going to be Mm. like but um the good thing of that was that once I had my own children there was nothing I hadn't already done yeah (laughs) at the child care center (laughs) and and you only had one not 80 to to change nappies (laughs) and feed yeah I can't even imagine that 80 nappies Mm. I don't want to imagine that (laughs) yeah but I think it's also interesting for you mum because you decided you wanted to try four kids and then that didn't happen for you. So it's kind of the, you guys kind of have an opposite story mm. that you ha- knew you wanted kids, but it just, you couldn't, it wasn't, get, happening. It wasn't happening for you. So it's like a bit different of a perspective. Yes, it was, it was very different. It, um, when I was 26, I was told I'd never fall pregnant. Mm. So there was a bit of an adjustment um, yeah, that in that time been, that would have been heartbreaking yeah you won. especially having wanted them yeah mm. also says a lot about me I feel like that like is where if you've listened to the health chat with me mm. a lot of mum's experience comes into play with how I feel about it yeah 
we had Ben with no problem at all, but we lost our next baby. So mm. that was uh, unexpected and really rocked our little world. Mm, so, very yeah, hard. You, very you don't hard. expect that either. Mm. It's amazing how you think we're all created to actually have babies, but it doesn't always mm. work. Yeah. Mm. And I think something that I was like, well, I think you and I have spoken about it and I've been talking about it with my friends is, I guess when you're in your 20s, before you actually do have kids, some people obviously have already had kids by this point, but if you're thinking about it, it's only when you maybe start hearing about other people's experiences or whatever that you realise that it might not even be an option. Like, when you're growing up, I guess we're kind of just taught that that's, you know, something that you'll get to. Mm. But to be thinking about the fact that that might not be on the cards for you is another Mm. thing. And I think it's good that there's been more awareness Mm. raised about it so that, like, we do have, like, a bit of a, like, I guess a warning. I think, yeah, awareness is important because, Mm. like you said, otherwise we just think that that is going to happen. End Mm. game, easy peasy. Mm. But it's not always... No, it's not exactly easy peasy in the end. So what were your other relationships like? So with your friends and et cetera in your 20s? I have to say friendships in my 20s was great. I just, it was absolutely fabulous. Um, You you were away from all those teenage school friend dramas, you know, people watching what you're wearing, worrying about everything. I just made really, really close lifelong friendships in my Hmm. um, 20s. And uh, we had a few couples we were really close to and we did everything, literally everything um, together, including abseiling down waterfalls. <laughs> <laughs> the before mentioned friends. <laughs> Holidaying together, like almost every night we'd have mm. dinner with someone at each other's houses. Oh my gosh, you were so popular. <laughs> <So> social. <laughs> no, it was just a fabulous, fabulous time. Um, we had greater self-confidence. We had financial independence. Yeah. We had our own transport, our own accommodation. Like the world was our oyster. It was fabulous How the funny friendships in our 20s you were so social and i'm like i can't meet you during the week i'm like yeah. too tired the friends you make in your 20s you just click with and uh if it's strong it just lasts yeah we i think we've talked about it before that we agree with that like we have a few friends from when we were like before we were in our 20s but yeah like we said like most of our friends have come from these 20 years yeah and it's just different dynamic when you make friendships in your 20s okay so we also have touched a little bit on both of your careers already but how exactly did you choose your careers so what led you down your respective paths I really just fell into my first full-time job I had no clue what to do and I think when I first started working I thought I'll do this for a little bit and then I'll go do what I want to do and I'm still looking for what I want to do. (laughs) Um, Yes, I always think it's the wrong question to ask young people and I try not to ask young people what you want to be when you grow up because Mm. I think, in fact, um, it's how are you going to make a decent fist of what you end up with. Um, So when I graduated from uni, there wasn't really lots of work around unless you had a specific sort of career, like a vocation teacher or doctor or um, accountant or something um, like that. But I think really 
um, you need to think about uh, what what sorts of work situations you like to be in. Um, I really like to be somewhere where I'm independent, not sort of um, being dictated to how I run run my job. Um, those sorts of things. So I think understanding if you like a people oriented job or not mm. is probably more relevant than um, take your pick. Here's every opportunity you, that you yeah, could possibly right. do. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think that advice you've given to me before and that like has helped me a lot. That like I because I've always never known what I wanted to do, and Mum's like, well, just do what you're doing and keep seeing where it takes you. Mm. So I think it's pretty clear by now that both of you are one of our role models. Um, But who were your role models in your 20s and have they stayed the same? Well, I think it's a little bit, as we, we, we said before, you make some fabulous friendships in your 20s. And for me, those people probably were my role models rather than people who were distant to me. I was... um. You know, I was friends with people that I admired tremendously um, for one reason or another. Um, I just loved various qualities about them, you know, their generous spirits, their, they were accepting and including of others, um, they were non-judgmental. Mm. Um, and, and those were the qualities I really admired in other people and I, I guess they gathered around me or I gathered them Mm. Um, around me I agree with that I think even like for us when when I have encounters with people if they portray certain values or handle situations in a way that I do respect then I think that is something that I take on yeah or try to model myself on I agree with that I um I don't think I specifically have kept one role model Mm. it's more like uh, I admire something in someone and I think i really need to give myself a little kick up the button try and be a bit more like that person because I like that quality mm. so I guess uh, I'm a shapeshifter with, with regards to role modeling no I think that's a good way to look at it is that it's like specific qualities of someone not yeah. like you want to be someone this in one. one thing yeah yeah I yeah, don't need to be them I just like certain things about them okay so this is this might be hard, but is the present year, 2021, how you imagined the future would be when you were in your 20s? <laughs> Heck no. <laughs> Especially, I guess, with COVID-19. Who could have saw that coming? <laughs> I would never have seen the future like this. Uh, I, there's a lot of things I just don't even understand. I don't understand domestic violence. I don't understand racial intolerance. I don't understand animal cruelty so I think uh watching all of these things on the news feed every day is disheartening and um I guess I honestly in my 20s never thought this far ahead like I still can't believe I'm in my 60s it takes my breath away regularly and um, I feel it crept up on me and and now I feel I'm hurtling towards my 70s and still got not a clue in the universe what the future might um, look look like Um, I suppose though that in the last few years which is not when I was in my 20s but in the last few years I have started thinking more about what have I achieved what might I want to achieve in the next five years but that isn't that's really about my own goals it's not about how I see society yeah um or whatever so I certainly never when I was 20 couldn't envisage you could possibly be 60 and I don't think any of us ever would have uh, 
planned or imagined COVID-19 and the impact mm. that's had on our world. Mm. I can't don't even, even know, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what I'm going to be doing like in a month's time or where I'm going to be. Yeah. So I think it'd be really hard to... <laughs> I did think there'd be flying cars by now because I was a fan <laughs> of the Jetsons and there still isn't. Okay, so with all that being said, and now we've got a bit of a snapshot into what life in your 20s has been like, how do you think it's changed since then? Are you guys super different now to how you were then? If so, what's changed? Possibly the thing we do more now is a little bit of looking after ourselves and reflecting on on life rather than being in at a hectic pace trying to get somewhere um in my 20s I was pretty broke for most of it I had a a mortgage and 17 and a half percent interest rates so it was uh it was a struggle there was a lot of baked beans um and then in my 30s I was a mum so life was about being a good mum and and looking after my babies and helping them learn and grow. Next minute you're in your 40s and like two seconds later you're in your 50s and I, I just feel like it's uh, I got here really quickly <laughs> and I'm not quite ready. <laughs> so um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing. I, I don't believe I've changed that much. Um, maybe just t- uh, take off the, the sharp bits and become a little bit more measured, a little softer, a little slower to answer because it's not a race. (laughs) I think that that's absolutely true and I think that that's uh, one of the things I wrote is that I feel now I can walk my truth quietly. Um, I haven't got that driven um, sense. I'm still driven but, as you say, it's without the rough edges um, of that. It's uh, a slow progress to where I want to go, a happier, more sanguine Sounds pretty ideal from how you've explained it. <laughs> We're helping you look forward to you, <laughs> to growing up. Okay, final question. What is one piece of advice that looking back you would give yourself in your 20s? Um, I don't think it's just one piece of advice. I think it's a multifaceted piece of advice and it would be pretty simple uh, to practice gratefulness, to enjoy every day and to smile. Remind yourself that you're lucky to be alive and and have good health take a deep breath and try not to say the first thing you're thinking (laughs) (laughs) that's what we literally do behind these microphones every week (laughs) and look that that's great advice and a shame you couldn't give that to me when I was in my (laughs) in my 20s but I think it's to be gentle on yourselves um, and to be gentle on other people understand yourself more and and live a life um, that's true to your own values and that you can do that quietly. How do you do anything quietly with social media these days? (laughs) Stop and think. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your adulting journeys with our community of buds. We love you guys so much and let's be honest, we'd be nowhere without our mums. Our pleasure. Pleasure. And finally, let's talk Adulting 101, our weekly resource or recommendation that we found helpful in navigating our 20s. Britt, what do you have for me this week? Okay, so this week I have an Instagram page. It is at So You Want to Talk About. Have you heard of this one, Tessa? I have not. Tell me more. So the page is described as dissecting progressive politics and social issues in graphic slideshow form. Um, slideshows seem to be super popular on Instagram at the moment. When you say slideshow, do you mean carousel? Is that what it yes. is? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so the swipey ones with lots of text. Um, what I particularly like about this page is the Sunday segment, which is a good news collab with, um, at good, good, good co. That's a tongue twister. (laughs) I know. I was like, have I written this right? How many goods are there? (laughs) Lots of good. I think that's the point. Reading about and keeping up to date with politics and social issues can sometimes be a lot, um, especially when you find it frustrating that the issues being discussed are even happening in the first place. So this segment breaks up a week of all of that heaviness with some uplifting news to reignite your faith in humanity before you face a new week. (laughs) Um, They describe it as a Sunday palate cleanser, which I love. And yeah, they bring you a little slideshow of good news from the week. They are based in America, so some topics may be less relevant to like an Australian's daily life um, with different types of legislation being discussed or whatever, but it's still stuff that you should be aware of. Um, I'll share some of my favourites from their page on our stories this week that I think would be particularly useful for our bud community. Stuff like breaking down gaslighting and helpful rebuttals to frustrating conversations, which I think discovered after our episode on having differing views to the people around you, but I think um, would have prepared me better for these types of conversations in the future. I feel like that is such a you resource. Like you're so good at staying up to date with what's going on in the world and the political landscape. And as much as I try, like a lot of the content around it just goes straight over my head. So maybe I should be checking out this page ASAP. Yeah, they do break it down into um, a very easy to digest format. So I think you would like it. But what about you? What is your resource or recommendation this week? My resource this week is much less about stimulating your brain, but stimulating your appearance and said, okay, that sounded way better in my head. Um, but it's stimulating your <laughs> But it's pimple patches. Are oh. you a pimple patch fan, Britt? So I've heard about them and I have seen a few of my friends use them, but I haven't actually tried them myself. Um, break it down for me. Why do you use them and do they actually work? So all things considered, I'm pretty lucky like with my skin but when I get a rogue breakout I always have no idea what to do with it and yes I end up picking at it which Mm. we all know you shouldn't do and makes it a million times worse but also we're likely very guilty of um so while pimple patches are amazing for me at like soothing and healing and drawing out the pimples while also protecting the skin and absorbing excess moisture and scarring the best part is that it actually stops me from like touching it all the time, like not even picking, just touching, you know, when like a pimple really hurts and you keep touching it, just to like remind yourself it's there or to see if it's gone down yet. Yeah. It's so funny that you say that because I have had a little bit of a breakout over the last week from changing cleansers. Um, you know, when your skin decides it just needs some time to adjust and causes a scene just to make a point of being caught off guard. Yeah. Well, that is what has been happening to me and I have not been able to stop myself from touching and it's made it so much worse. Oh my gosh. No. Is this the cleanser I recommended yes, to you? No. I love it. It's just my skin's adjusting. Okay. Yeah. Cause my skin didn't do that at all. It just cleared up so quickly. So it's- reiterate you are lucky with your skin. (laughs) I just think it's wild how like different skin reacts in different ways. Hey, Mm. Well, the other thing that is great about these ones is they're like super inconspicuous. I just had to think so hard to say that (laughs) word, right? Super inconspicuous. The ones I use are from Mecca. They're like the Mecca Max brand and they're called now this is okay. a tongue quizzer. (laughs) They're called Spot Dots Blemish Busting Patches. Okay, (laughs) got it. They're like these like clear little little spots. So they blend really well into your skin and kind of like 
blur the pimple too. Yeah. Um, they're also 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which we Take both two. love. Yep, ticks. Um, they're $10 for 12 patches, which isn't too bad, but I also know that you can get cheaper and bigger quantities of them at, like I think, Priceline and other places, but I can't speak from personal experience as to how well they work. And I know that most people wear them like overnight while you're sleeping mm. so that they can like do their thing. But I actually prefer to wear them, yeah, during the day so that I stop myself touching it because I'm not going to touch it when I'm asleep. That can you, like, could someone wear it to work or it's too obvious for that? I've been wearing them before and then like pulled it off and someone's been like, oh my gosh, were you wearing that the whole time? Oh. And I do know I've not tried it, but I know some people had like put it under makeup. Oh, they do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I'd probably be game enough to wear them at work. They're pretty good. Hmm. Interesting. No, I wondered how visible they would be. Um, but yes, I wish I had heard this recommendation before today. Um, I'll have to get some of these on hand so I'm prepared next time my skin is a drama queen. Thank you for listening to another In Bloom episode of Blooming featuring our very own mothers. If you're enjoying our little podcast, please let us know by leaving a rating or review because algorithm things and also by hitting the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify. And you know, we're going to say, please come find us on Instagram at blooming.podcast and tag us in your stories. We want to see how you're listening to Blooming or using one of our adulting resources. And remember, you can always DM us. They're always open. We want to hear your thoughts on this episode and what topics you'd like us to talk about in the future. P.S. If you have someone you'd like us to interview, please send them our way. And don't forget to tune in to our weekly Monday polls to have your say on this week's episode. Chat next week, buds. Bye. It'd be deeply worrying if we didn't have adult wins at this age. (laughs) Well, mum, you're such a (laughs) mum. Do you want to hear what you sound like? Or that give me no? No, let's just (laughs) continue on. Get the pain over with. (laughs) Nice.